This is the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. If you need a getaway, I am always a fan of my hometown of Las Vegas. So click the link in my show notes to find amazing offers, great deals from Vegas.com right now. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Dr. Sandra Colta Medici. Follow on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Dr. Sandra Colta Medici. You can listen to the podcast live on Fireside and learn about upcoming course announcements, coaching programs, working one-on-one with Sandra and new template releases by visiting collegeofstyle.com. Join Sandra on TikTok, Pinterest, and Twitter at College of Style today. Hi, I'm Sandra, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Pipes with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, Sides from my entertainment career and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 49 of the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. My name is Dr. Sandra Colton Medici, and I have a great guest for you today on the podcast. So stick around for the interview. Her name is Sarah Albiak. She is a branding and marketing strategist, and she is currently the vice president for marketing strategy at Davila Multicultural Insights. She has worked on the agency side for many, many years for Casanova McCann, and she managed Hispanic advertising efforts for Kohl's department store and also led the development for the First Lady Michelle Obama's Let's Move initiative against childhood obesity. So we have so much to talk about in this interview, so stick around. Is your business not connecting or converting your followers online? Book your brand audit today by visiting collegeofstyle.link forward slash brand audit. I look forward to working with you to move the needle on your business and jumpstart your 2022 with strategic messaging and up-leveled visual branding. Click the link and I'll talk to you soon. So the other day I was making one of my favorite meals. Yes, it is a sandwich with bologna, mustard, and chips. (laughs) I smash those chips down in there and I eat it up. It is so good. Now, a lot of people would argue, okay, I don't like bologna or I don't eat sandwiches or I don't like chips, whatever it is. But when you think about your customers' habits, think about what those are when you're creating those products and services that you are going to be selling to them. If it is out of the realm of a customer to actually think about a sandwich where there's not chips in it, then maybe you should redesign (laughs) your products and services to think about what habits they've already developed and ones that really they're not going to get out of anytime soon. College of Style is ready with a great shopping experience for you this holiday season. And better yet, to say thank you for shopping my store, use the discount code HELLO15 to get 15% off of your first order. Visit shopcollegeofstyle.com and type in HELLO15 at checkout. And then tag me on socials and let me know how you like your purchase. Welcome back to Sweet Bites with Sandra. Of course, we are joined with an amazing guest. Her name is Sarah Albiak, and she is a branding expert and strategist. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I know that we we are going through a lot of crazy times. When you think about launching a brand, think about 2021 and what it feels like for maybe a new business or even an established business. 
what would you what would you say to somebody who's in a, a creative position or even a strategist position in their next step and launching their brand? Gosh, really, really take a look at the lessons that we learned this past year, which uh, talk about crazy. <laughs> Um, if there was ever uncertainty and, and, you know, we, it, people have been stressing so much and, and for good reason, obviously, but uncertainty also, it's a great um, time for reflection and opportunity. Um, a lot of people who were very comfortable in the business that they were in and in the work that they were doing, if you were not ready to get out of that comfort zone, we forced you out of it because, you know, um, exactly. this was not a time to just sit in and write it out. Um, I think we all thought at the beginning, oh, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, we'll write this out. Nobody wrote this out. It's you better take the wheel. And um, so, so definitely before moving forward, take a look. You know, it's like we, we want to put it behind us. Yes, learn the lessons. Learn, learn, learn from those who wrote it out really well, through who navigated through this and came out maybe even stronger. Um, look at those industries that had a tremendous challenge, like travel and tourism, still hurting so much, and hospitality, and and um, what can be offered to them that's different and new, and that's going to change the way that the industry. You know, don't go back to the way things were because you just don't know. Are we gonna have another, hopefully we'll never have to deal with this again, but don't, don't, this is an opportunity to completely change the way that you were doing things. So, um, so definitely learn, learn from it. Learning from our mistakes that, well, and I shouldn't even say mistakes. It's kind of like just learning from the experience of it all. Exactly. Right, so right. when you look at um, being in certain positions that, you that you've held in the past, um, whether it was uh, as a VP of account group direction at Casanova McCann or VP of client services and strategy development at Agency 51 Advertising. I mean, those are pretty, you know, like um, extraordinary roles, right? You know, where you're, you're, you're managing a lot of probably people and prongs. I, I like to call them prongs, uh, you know, as far as how your, your campaigns are, are out there and how you're strategizing. So what would you say say was probably one of the hardest parts of some of that work new, new business is just tough and and it's so much tougher now than um than it was years ago it, it, there's so much competition and now you're competing with agencies of all shapes and sizes and specialties and um so um i i i will i probably shouldn't say this to the linkedin world but i i don't like rfps <laughs> they're necessary obviously but um i swear some rfps are written to torture the agencies you know they're, they're just painful to get through when you're faced with an rfp that's uh, been written by somebody who doesn't have a marketing foundation and you don't expect the clients to be experts obviously that's why they're coming to you but when you're having somebody in a chart maybe or or procurement put together a marketing RFP, you're constantly trying to read between the lines and second guess what, what you're doing in case the client meant something else. And so they're, they're put together in a way that doesn't always allow the agency to shine. Um, so so I, I think that's the hard part. And, and what I learned from it is it doesn't matter. I mean, just go through it, give them what they want, but always just make sure that you're putting forth the work that allows you to shine. And, and, and show that you're a great collaborator. So, but, but that was probably the hardest, uh, the hardest part of the role as a new business director. And yeah, challenging and, well, and so a lot of competition out there. 
Yeah. Well, so RFP, you're talking about request for proposal or are you yes. talking about, okay. So yes. just for people who might be listening, who have no oh, idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's a 67 um, page document with instructions on how to put things together down to the kind of font and size that you have to use and immediate disqualification if you don't use the, you know, the particular format. And so the pressure from that, it's, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the process and making sure that we're not missing the one thing that's going to, you know, potentially disqualify you as opposed to really focusing on the on the good work that you want to put forth. So so that was that's the challenging part. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I can under I can appreciate that coming from a, you know, a detail oriented background, like you want to hit every little thing, but you also want to be creative and, and, exactly. you know, get out of the box and do that whole thing. So how can you share a few lessons that maybe you've learned from your career about what the key is to working and developing a project from, you know, concept to completion? Wow. Great. Um, I'll give you three big C's communication, collaboration, and creativity. Um, you often in a big project, you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Um, I worked years ago on the first lady's um, Michelle Obama's initiative for let's move. Talk about cooks in the kitchen. You know, you had the White House, you had the Department of uh, Health Services, you had the Ad Council, you had several agencies, the, the chef from the White, White House, literally a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And, uh, you know, you need great communication. You're, you're, the deadline is not going to move. Um, so you better have checking points, make sure that, um, that you have good leadership and everything, that that vision for where you want the project to end up is clear um, from the beginning. And, and along with that, you need that collaboration and, and making sure everybody is being held accountable for their role and their delivering and, um, and creativity. Because again, don't get so caught up in the process and checking all the boxes that you forget to really explore something outside of what obvious at first glance. So, and you need great leadership along the way. Right. Well, so you mentioned that the White House chef was in the building yes. <laughs> or in the conversation. In the calls, yeah. <laughs> so um, he had far- a red phone. I don't know why the, the chef had, to, you know, he had like three phones and a red phone. I guess people can have a hamburger emergency in the White House. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I mean, there's probably some, you know, some things that happen that we all as you know citizens just have no idea what's exactly, going on. Exactly. Um, but for that particular campaign, I know that um, I have a ton of other questions to ask you, but how much time did you have to work on that specific campaign? Because obviously you said that that deadline was not moving, but right. you know, in a typical range of time frame, you know, what's your, what's your, like your shortest amount of time that you've had for a campaign versus like that particular one? Did you have a year to work on it or what was the time length? It's never enough time. I think it was about a year. Uh, it was it, because I remember that everything kept getting delayed in terms of approvals and being able to move to the next step. And typically when that happens, you you tell the client, you know, well, we're going to launch a couple of weeks later. This happened, we had a snag about the, the first lady was booked to deliver her speech on a particular day and that was not movable. So, you know, it's, you make it enough time. I mean, you, nowadays it seems like you can turn campaigns around in a couple of months, you know, we're, we live in the digital world that everything is just now. And, uh, you know, it used to be, it used to be a year to really go from research on a particular brand to then putting together a strategy to then exploring different uh, 
versions of the creative, you know, now it's, it's a wide range and it just depends on what the client needs and you just need to work faster and you cut corners when you have to, and you just have to make sure that you're not cutting the, the critical stuff. Right. So So when you are thinking about maybe one or two tips that you can talk about, about um, rebranding or repositioning a high profile organization. So somebody who's already had, you know, their feet on the ground, you know, they're established, but they want to look a little bit like get that shine on. (laughs) You know what I mean? So do you have one or two tips about how you would go about rebranding or repositioning a high profile organization that's already established? Great question. Um, I've had to do that a few times. And what I heard from clients a couple of times was, you know, look, we look outdated, we sound outdated, we want a complete rebranding and don't even touch what we've done before, don't even look at it. We want to be completely different. And I listened and I didn't. I didn't tell them I didn't listen. I, I, I listened to what they said and said, uh-huh. And then went back because I always wanted to get to the origins and the roots of the brand. There was a reason that they were shiny and successful ones. And if you dig deep enough, you, you get to that foundation. So sometimes, yep, you had to tear everything else out, right? Like a house, you know, you get rid of everything else down to the studs, but there's a foundation there that was solid and that continues to be solid. And, you know, teams come and go and sometimes you're talking to the client, they don't even know. They don't even know this, this story behind the brand, how it got started, how, you know, all they know is that they had new competitors coming in and now they're facing different challenges and, you know, and they're reactive. It's like, no, go back, go back and look at what was really, what are the really strong pillars about, this brand that it was standing on and that can it can it can continue to stand on you just have to build it rebuild it differently now but to me it's always going back to that foundation uh even when the client tells you don't look at it it you go back you go back to the story get get to the root of it and because there, there are going to be some gems there that you can build from Nice. Well, so what are some of the best practices that maybe you've kind of either developed throughout your career that you can, or or even just kind of like happened upon you through experience? Because sometimes, you know, you go through something and you're like, ah, I'm never going to do that again. (laughs) What are some best practices for people maybe just starting out in the industry um, and building their careers who may not know how to, I don't know, get their foot in the door or need a certain piece of advice that you have that you're like, that's the one that if I had known then what I know now, do this. <laughs> I hear a lot of recent graduates now, youngsters talking about, yeah, and, and they're stuck, right? They're, they're not sure exactly where to go. There's, um, and, and they tell me, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for something that really ignites my passion. And, and I'm looking for that, that dream job and, and something that I can really be passionate about. And you don't know what you're passionate about. You haven't worked, you know? I mean, most, most kids in college, I mean, if they've worked, it's not usually a career-related job. They've done internships and yeah, they've had an idea of what they like and what they don't, but they, you don't really know until you get out there. And they asked me, oh, well, how did you know you were passionate about advertising? I said, I didn't. I, I took the job because I was passionate about paying my rent. So, you know, <laughs> right. I graduated, I had to pay the rent and put food on the table. So I took the job and worried about my passions later. And, but, you know, just, just take the job, take the job and then be passionate about that job. 
because you don't know. You don't know if it's something that you're going, you're going to find out fairly quickly if it's something that's for you, if you see yourself doing, doing that in 10, 20 years, or if you don't. So you're, you're going to find out, but you're not going to find out until you are in there, in the trenches. And uh, so just take the leap. Take the leap, especially when you're young, a recent graduate, you have nothing to lose. Take a chance and don't wait for that dream job. There's, there's, there's no dream job. You take a job and you make it your dream job by putting all your energy into it, collaborating well with others, finding good mentors, and then it'll be your dream job. <laughs> I always think about the buzzwords. What are we tired of talking about? And I don't mean <laughs> pandemic wise. I mean, in, in meetings, like, you know, some people have told me, I don't want to hear the word viral anymore. I don't want to hear the word um, big idea anymore. What is something that you've heard a lot that you would, you would replace with something else? I'm laughing because I'm thinking about it. Pivot. We had to pivot. We just pivoted. We need to pivot. These people are pivoting really. It's like, I'm, I'm tired of that. <laughs> um, and, and yes, I mean, you know, we had to do it, right? We had to change direction. We had to, but it's like enough, enough, because that's something that in a way, I don't want to be, I don't, you know, I, I don't sugarcoat things. So I had to watch what I said, but it's like, shame on you. If you haven't been doing that all along, you always have to be evolving. Your consumers are evolving the, consumers are in more control than ever now they're they're totally in control they, they are in control of what content they get what they listen to what they're what messages they're exposed to if you have not been evolving strategically not just with quick tactical solutions but you know really thinking about and, and predicting a lot of people talk about agile marketing that's another word that i hear a lot and and they think, you know, that's being able to respond quickly and react quickly. I don't think it is. I think it's about predictability. I think it's about, think about, you know, we, we have so much data now. Look at that data. And what does that mean for your client, for your business, you know, a year from now, five years from now, are we going to lose our shirt here because we're not doing something that is going to be, you know, needed in two years or something is becoming obsolete. So I, I think that what we need to be thinking about is innovation and it will all the time. Uh, and, and hopefully some people will learn the lesson from this, from this pandemic that, um, you know, nobody saw it coming, nobody, but, but what is the next thing that we're not, you know, no, nobody saw 9-11 coming. And I feel like a lot of businesses did not learn the lesson from that. We have businesses out there that are not recession proof that are related to the hospitality and tourism industry. And I don't feel a lot of them took the lesson from, from that. What can they do differently? Because another recession eventually will hit, hopefully not another pandemic, but you never know. So, um, so we always, you know, don't just pivot when something happens. You always have to be evolving. And those companies that have been doing that as a practice, those will be the ones that come out of this even stronger. Nice. Well, so I, I think about the essentials when I think about what happened in 2020 and the companies that were essential for everyone to live. And mm -hmm. what's number one is toilet paper. <laughs> so if you were in the toilet paper industry, I don't know, you probably had a banner year, but I'm thinking about like, how can you make your business more like toilet paper? You have to have it and it runs out and you got to get it. You know what I mean? Like not in the, like a weird gross sense, but in the way that 
you must have it and you must use it and you don't really live without it. You know what I mean? So how can you be indispensable as far as um, a staple in someone's daily life? Because that's a daily thing. It's not just like, hey, it's my weekend, you know, uh, you know, fancy dinner, Um, you know, so when you're thinking about strategies that people can implement, I know that you talked about, you know, that agile marketing and like the fast response. Is it more so about conditioning people to need your product or, you know, because you talked about predictability too, like a consumer behavior. Is it, you want to find the data and see where they live or is it conditioning them to always watch TV on Thursday night, you know, because you place the show that they want to watch there. So which, which side do you flip on that coin? That's a tough one. I mean, there are, there are businesses and, and industries are there that obviously are not essential, um, you know, and that's what they're suffering now, you know, entertainment and arts and entertainment and sports. And so they're going to you know, businesses like that, that are tight to, you know, travel and businesses like that are going to suffer during an economic recession. I mean, we saw it during 9-11, we're seeing it now, but but they're going to come back. And so it, it's really about building that relationship um, with your target audience that is not going to go away. It's going to get put on hold for a while, but people are already booking, booking travel um, for this year. A lot of them, I mean, look, if you look at the stocks for Norwegian cruise lines and Carnival cruise lines, those stocks have been going up in the stock market. Um, after they had a horrendous year, I mean, those ships were all docked all over the world. And uh, but people are already booking, especially now that there's great deals. Um, and they're going to book with the lines that they're familiar with, that they had a good experience with. So I think the um, customer experience, if anybody took it for granted before, don't take it for granted because when those customers come back, they, that's what's going to determine whether they come back to your hotel to your destination, to your um, sports venue, entertainment venue, and et cetera. Uh, yes, you're going to hurt, but um, hopefully you, you can bounce back if you have that solid relationship. Uh, you don't build that overnight. And if you didn't have it before the crisis happened, you're going to lose it very quickly. So, so I think it's a matter of really don't ever take that customer experience for granted, um, whether you're an essential product or not. Yeah. Even when you're an essential product, there's plenty of brands for everything out there that we cannot take brand loyalty for granted. And uh, and again, you know, customers are in control now. So exactly. Well, brand loyalty, I think, is is maybe how we're going to replace um, pivot yes. <laughs> with, with <laughs> yeah. loyalty, yeah. Um, because that that is definitely something that like that relationship. I know that there's plenty of people that I reconnected with um, during this kind of crazy time and mm-hmm. just reached out to say, are you okay? Are you doing right. okay? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's me in a, I'm not, you know, a brand that is selling to my friends, but right. if you were, it isn't always about selling. I feel like sometimes it's just about the check-in. And so the relationship building, a lot of times people just want to get to the, to the transaction if right. you will. And, and sometimes that transaction doesn't happen for like 18 touches, you know, like, right as you're pushing the message, you know, you've got mm-hmm. to 
tailor that. Tell us anything, maybe there's a, a story that you have from um, an experience working with uh, a project that might've been inspiring, or I always, I always say, or it could be terrifying. <laughs> or, <laughs> I had a lot of those. <laughs> right. Or even a funny, you know, experience that you've had working on, you know, putting out a new campaign or working with a brand um, or even just in a, in a meeting where you were like, this is the idea. And it might not have been the idea. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, um, so many stories that I could write a book and uh, I probably should have during this. <laughs> I, I had not so much something working on a campaign. I had something that happened early on in my career, very early on, that made an impact to this day. It is making an impact. It was at my first agency. We handle advertising for Procter & Gamble, um, different brands there. And uh, there was a lot of hustle and bustle one day because the president of Procter & Gamble advertising was coming to me with upper management. And to me, he was a huge celebrity. I read about him all the time on at week, at age. It was, people were stressed and scared that this man was coming and excited. And he was huge. He was a, a, probably one of the most influential people in the ad industry at the time because Procter was the biggest vendor. And uh, so I thought, you know, I'd be lucky if I just even got to see him down the hallway. Um, I, I feel like, you know, it was a, it, he was a big celebrity. And not only did I see him, but the president, after he was done meeting with upper management, he asked for an agency tour. And the president of the agency uh, brought him to my desk to introduce me. And I had been there less than a year. I, I, was, I think I was 21 years old. And he asked me what I was working on. And I quickly dismissed it as something that was not really that important. I thought this man is not going to be interested in what I'm doing right now. And he said, well, wait a minute. Are you doing work for Procter & Gamble? And I said, well, yes, everything we do here. And he said, well, then it's important. Whatever it is that you're doing, don't ever dismiss it as something that is not important. If you're making photocopies, that's important. If you're so... Um, and then he talked to me about what I wanted to do and why, how I got into advertising and what my goals were. And he had a good 10 to 15 minute conversation during which he gave me advice. And the details to tell you the truth today, that they're very blurry. What I did not forget was that the fact that this man took the time to talk to me while he was there to meet with upper management. And the next night I was um, watching the news and because I, I wished him a good trip back to Cincinnati. He said, oh no, first I'm gonna take a little vacation up in Canada. I watched the news and he had been killed in a whitewater rafting accident along some other people. And oh, it was no. devastating, it was devastating. I came to the office bowling the next day. I could not concentrate. I was so upset. And you know, finally, the president of the agency called me and he said, look, I know that that's upsetting. We're all upset, but come on, you didn't really know this man. And I said, no, I didn't. But he told me how much I mattered. I mean, I, I did not realize that until, yes, I'm treated very well here. It's been great. But it's now that I realize that my work really matters. It doesn't matter what it is. And he made me feel that way when I thought he was too important to even say good morning to me. And, and I promised myself that day to, because of, of the time he spent with me to, you know, when I finally make it to being a VP, when I'm managing a team, when I have people reporting to me, I will never forget to spend time with the junior people to let them know how important their work is and why, and why they need to work on what they're working on, however trivial it seems to them at the time. 
and and really give them that mentorship and that guidance and 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 let them feel important because it's not about the title and it's not about the experience and it's not it's it's everybody there's a number of jobs everybody has to do the job accordance in accordance to their experience and but I never forgot that like really to this day to this day I love mentoring people and and really make them feel how how critical they are to the organization that is not about the big VPs and uh, you know there's plenty of those <laughs> so um, so that that made made a huge impact on me wow well I am just so moved I mean I I, I get it that you know you you maybe had a very brief you know, encounter, but those moments do matter. Um, and, and you can make a, a huge impact with just one encounter. You just making the time for somebody else. So if anybody is listening and thinking about, you know, how they interact with their employees, take that one to heart because it does matter <laughs> or even yes, not even yes. your employees, because mm -hmm. you were kind of, you know, and not a direct, you know, report to this man, right. but still, Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, SEMrush, I can't say enough about this particular platform. It's an all-in-one tool suite for improving online visibility and discovering marketing insights. So SEO, content marketing, competitor research, PPC, and social media marketing, you can get that all in just one platform. So I encourage you to visit my show notes and unlock free access. No, I didn't stutter. Free access to backlink analytics now. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra, make sure to send an email to info at sandracoltamedici.com. Include in the subject line, be a sponsor.